0: Welcome back to the West of Podcast uh, with myself, John Terry and Zach Giorgio. Say hello, Zach. Hi, how are we doing? Yeah, we're all right, mate. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. We had the idea. And we uh, we're back. <laughs> yeah. We've let the whole world launch their podcast and uh and just given just given them a head start. Yeah, just let, let them all catch up a bit. It seemed a bit unfair. Uh we started before the pandemic, so we're we're back ahead. So the Northwest Five for anyone tuning in for the first time is all about uh, digital stuff and technology and business in Manchester and the northwest. And um, so today on the show we've got Sam Gooch from Absurd. Uh, hi Sam. Hi guys, thanks for having me today. It's uh, it's an honor. It's actually my, my first podcast. So wow. thanks for coming on, mate. I really appreciate it. Um, we want you know we want to find out about you and because um, your journey and and you know how you got into. I suppose, how you got into tech and how you got into the business you're in. So should we start maybe with that first question? Like, tell us a bit about yourself and then how you got into tech.
1: I'm a run-of-the-mill kind of guy, really. Nothing really to stand out. Um, been living in the Northwest all my life. Um, in and around like, Manchester, Cheshire, sort of South Yorkshire sort of way. Went to university in Sheffield, at Sheffield Halling where I studied a computing degree. Um, but before I really got into that degree, I've been into into computers from a very young age, really. But my, my, my dad was a finance director at a PLC based in Burnley, and he pivoted during like the the dot com boom. He pivoted into more of like an IT director role. So he was like practicing things at home. he would be setting up um, networks between my, my uh, bedroom PC to my brother's bedroom PC. So from an early age, we had network connectivity. We're on 56k dial up playing games between each other so we could be playing things like Duke Nukem, Doom, things like that and then my early age of the internet we're just basically downloading a lot of like South Park clips and things like that (laughs) the way it should be used in this sort of day and age really so yeah I was I was very much into computers from a very early age but dad probably pushed that onto me and um I've been, I've been into making websites since the age of 16. So I used to make websites in Dreamweaver and Microsoft Front Page. I had a, a very old website where I embedded a little video of myself talking, talking to the camera and saying, Hi, and welcome to my website. Not sure how many visit, visitors it got, but it had one of those hit counters on there that showed it all ticking up like the good old days. So yeah, and then like through uni, as soon as I finished uni, I went to an agency down in Warwickshire, down in Leamington Spa. And that's where I started actually getting properly involved in like websites and development and things like that. And then I moved back up north, back into Manchester, started working at one of the largest agencies in Manchester and in the northwest. And that's where I really learned the trade, really, really kicked on as a developer. And um, I mean, fast forward a few more years, decided to spin up absurd and, and here I am. Wow.
2: You know, you've gone from like it's quite interesting that your story though. I loved the bit about your dad had like pivoted across to IT. He saw that he clearly saw something at that point, which was something that was probably way ahead of its time, really, back in those days. The finance director in Berlin, and then all of a sudden, sent into an IT. But it's great because obviously that sort of helped you and and, and stuff like that with sort of being ahead of the game. So yeah, really well, fascinating the- start to that. And um, you also mentioned. You had worked with one of the largest agencies in, in Manchester and that's how you learnt, your trade and stuff like that. So, had you always, because you mentioned about Cheshire and then you mentioned about Sheffield, did you just go to uni in Sheffield and then come back here?
1: Yeah, that's right. So, I went to university in, in Sheffield and yeah, my working life, the majority of my working life has always been in Manchester because that's where all the talent is and it's where all the great agencies, the great work, the great talent is, so drawn to there like a magnetic field really
0: so can I just I just pick up on your dad as well because I, I am really interested in that do you think you'd have got into tech if it had not been for your dad moving into uh becoming an IT director do you think that was instrumental or was it I don't know because that, that's you know that's quite important right that's like career changing stuff yeah
1: it is yeah I hope he's not going to listen to this but uh yeah <laughs> quite possibly yeah I've- yeah I think, do you know, when you when you grow up in life, people ask you what you want to, want to do and when you're a youngster, you don't really have a clue and I was saying like a solicitor or a, an accountant. But yeah, having that hands-on experience with all this great tech and the fun I had with it, it was probably instrumental to everything though.
0: It's so funny because I can draw parallels with... Doing exactly the same stuff around exactly the same time. I think I'm older than you, right? so I was probably at uni when you were doing it, and we had a 56k modem that we shared around the uni house. And someone, um, we could only read emails when when we were online. So you go, I'm going online, and then we'd all dial, we'd all like pull our emails down, and we had these like cables running up the stairs and everything. It was just nuts. Like, it's all Wi-Fi now, isn't it? So that uh, brilliant intro.
2: Quite interesting. So you decided to set up your own agency as well. And obviously you've been schooled and, you know, I don't, I don't mind saying you were schooled out of code, I presume. It was code, wasn't it, where you were working with the likes of Lou, one of the old school agencies in town. I know Lou quite well. Great business and stuff like that. So what made you decide to set up Obsurd, number one? And number two, how does that feel? Because all of a sudden, from being a techie to running your own business becomes a whole different ballgame, as I'm sure John will probably allude to.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I think the reason for wanting to set something up was my drive, really, to do great, great things. And I've set up Absurd with two other co-founders, and they have the same work ethic as me. They've got the same drive, and we all bring different things to the table. So we all met at Code Computer Love, like you say, all doing different disciplines. So amongst ourselves, we can basically handle any brief, almost every brief. And we were seeing, not necessarily at Code Computer Club, but we were seeing that agencies can either do great design or they can do great dev, but they can't, there's no middle ground, there's no in-between. And we'll find, we were finding that the, the larger or the bigger an agency it becomes, the more communication channels there is. If you're just a guy, like one of the worker bees, so to speak, it's quite frustrating to have these sort of handcuffs around your around your wrists where you you want to do the best work that you can. But because there's a few politics involved or you have to go through the proper channels, you can't just react and do things on behalf of a client. And that's really why you, you get into agency work. It's because you want to do great work for our clients. So there was an understanding there between myself and the other co-founders. And we always had the idea of spinning up an agency. We just eventually did it at one point. We just all got together and thought, you know what? We've all learned enough from being schooled, like you say. So let's go, go about and do it ourselves. And we did it very, very organically, very slowly. We didn't have any investment. We just did it from our bedrooms at the start. We just got a few clients, just did a few websites, a few briefs like that, picked up as much as we could. And, um, yeah, it's just grown organically from there.
0: I'm curious to where you got the name Observed from. I bet there's a story behind that.
1: There is a story, um, but it always changes. <laughs> <laughs> depending on the client, no? Or just depending yeah, on the... well, whoever we're speaking to. So... Yeah. I think the true story is um, we're we're all we all met up in the countryside in the Cheshire countryside. We went to a pub. I think someone said something like, um, "It's absurd that we can't think of a name." And then someone said, "Well, let's just call it absurd if we um, win this client that we've been
0: speaking to." And we did. So yeah, we won won the client. <laughs> Fantastic! But, uh, <laughs> so simple so great fantastic so um, how do you find the market now right we're sort of, we're months and months into our pandemic we've uh, we're on we're in the halfway through our second lockdown you know some companies are still doing quite well and i know the digital space has been a real mixed bag depending on if you're servicing you know uh, retail or or something like that you might be uh, becoming unstuck or, or or entertainment or whatever how have you found it and uh, you know, what's the pros and cons of you know, the, the, the highs and lows of the pandemic for you?
1: At the very beginning in March, I think everyone was in the same boat. The disruption involved for many of our clients was quite large because they weren't used to um, working from home. They weren't used to having such a um, focus on digital, being the main driver of their business. So like you mentioned in retail, they had to, if they hadn't already, all pivot to online sales and click and collect or collection or local deliveries, things like that. So I think it was a big disruption for everyone. We did, um, the market was buoyant before the pandemic. We just signed some great briefs, which unfortunately had to go on hold. And some of those briefs never actually materialized after the first lockdown even so now so we've definitely felt the brunt of it but after the lockdown first lockdown we've noticed that there's been a real uptake in briefs that are coming through we are seeing that some of the briefs are more covid oriented so it's all focused on remote working or um health in the remote in a remote sense things like that so people talk about like the internet was a uh, disruptor but i think covid or this pandemic has been a big disruptor in that i think the way that people have been forced to work has maybe put them out of the comfort zone a little bit and um yeah it's been a it's been a big eye-opener for for some businesses and i think a big paradigm shift for those who haven't really taken digital too seriously and i think it's those businesses who are now starting to unlock the coffers and spend real big money Yeah. yeah i
2: think i think it's quite interesting for me um how you sort? Of, I think, like you say, it was almost like a, a, a huge machine that had been working really, really well. Pre, all of a sudden, just ground to a halt immediately because everyone was just a bit like in shock. What do we do? How do we do it? How do we adapt, etc., etc.? So there's all of that going on, which I, I, I totally agree with you. And we had a similar scenario where we had a couple of clients just say that we just can't hire those people at the moment. We're going to have to, you know, uh, put them on hold if it comes back on. And some of those people didn't get hired, and other of those people, the clients actually got their head around it and started working again. So, I think it's actually a very similar situation in relation to to recruitment. But I think what I've noticed since sort of July, certainly when we came out of the lockdown sort of people started, you know, uh, going back to work into their offices a little bit more and spending a bit more time and stuff like. That people became very, very adaptable in regards to how they went about it. And people became quite used to the new way of working as such. What I'm wondering and what I'm seeing is whether or not, because what we're seeing is we're seeing a a real, real clear uptake in jobs at the moment. A lot of work coming through, a lot of opportunity, as it was pre-lockdown as well. But now it's starting to come through again and and a great demand for staffing, uh, developers and, and so on. Um, I'm starting to wonder whether or not, from our perspective, whether Brexit is actually starting to have an impact as well, because I've noticed that there's not as much or not as many people, not necessarily on the market in the respect of people looking, but a lot of European candidates that used to be around before, even a year or so ago, who have left the UK or haven't been coming to the UK we're seeing a big shift in that area that there's just not as many people around so I think the demand's there but there's just not as many people around I don't know if you've seen anything at all John?
0: Um, It's it's a really good question I don't I don't know I think it's so it's too difficult to unwrap one from the other I think that's the problem that the effect of Covid is so large um, and the effect of Brexit well obviously we're we're not here. we're not getting the quite the same news, but obviously the impact is looming and presumably already hitting in some sectors. To be fair, Zach, you probably know better than most because you're at the you're at the cold face in terms of finding good people and putting them in businesses. So I wish I knew. I bet it is having an impact, probably a negative impact, but like everything, COVID's had a negative impact, but it's obviously had a positive impact for some businesses and some people, you know. To come back to what Sam was saying, how people weren't ready for remote, but now they are. Um, and something you, you said as well, Sam, you said that COVID was a disruptor. Well, we always talk about the internet as being the disruptor. The COVID was the disruptor. And actually, the internet then became the pacifier in a way that it was the thing that brought us all back, that allowed us to continue to do what we were doing. Obviously, not for lots of sectors, but for many businesses where it was office-based, Or even people who are doing sales on the road. The internet is the thing that brought us all back to how we want, you know, to working—not necessarily how we used to work, but to working again. Um, And very quickly, um, I think that's interesting because we often we often criticise the internet for that. But I suppose, Sam. Then, question for you is: What's next? You know, what are we going to see next year in terms of the digital market? What, What do you think? What are your predictions? I guess for next year and. COVID related activity um, and businesses in general?
1: Yeah so I think um, although there's a, a vaccine looming um, I think the way that people have or businesses have reacted to the COVID pandemic some of those systems or principles will still be in place so people say well the, the office is dead. I think there'll be a hybrid approach where people can come and choose between working from home or go to the office. I think that Businesses will definitely still heavily invest in digital services because I believe they need to. I think that it has been a big wake-up call for some businesses to who solely rely on physical activity to then shift. So I think that'll definitely pick up. I think dig, the digital sphere will continue to grow and grow. It's the forefront of everything that we do, essentially, as a world. As a, the world populace at the moment if we didn't have internet if we didn't have these lines of communications and um, the world would be a completely different place so yeah I, th- I think the digital space will grow and grow even some of the some of the candidates coming out of university now they'll probably be more digital focused and um, you've got like the, the generations are shifting so some of the old baby boomers are all moving on and um we've got some of the new generation crops coming through and they're going to be more digital focused so market will be big digital market there's no getting around that to be honest the world is moving into a more globalist world everyone's interconnected it's no longer you're a single entity
0: as a country it's all a big joint venture trade and information can move well i suppose the other question for you was location wise right so we digital agencies i know we they've always had the ability to work nationally and probably internationally but you tend to tend to find, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you had more cloud locally, so people would go, "Well, you know you're manchester based and you get you're more likely to get a bit of work locally, but so first of all, is that was that your experience? Did you have more clients within the region than you get outside?"
1: Um, I think naturally people within sort of the Northwest will they'll look to these hubs, these digital hubs of talent. So they'll they'll search for digital agency Manchester, digital agency Eads or Liverpool, and they'll find a really good agency. Well, that's not necessarily the case with our client base. So we have, we're quite a national agency. So we have clients down in London, we have clients, obviously clients in Manchester, or well, we did have a client in Switzerland. So we're quite broad in that sense. And I think going back to your re- previous question about um, being affected by COVID, we don't focus on any particular vertical either. So the retail industry and the hospitality industry had a big hit, but our clients are across the board. So we do have a hospitality client. They obviously took a hit, but the others were
2: fine. So on, on that note, I, I totally agree with you by the way, Sam. I think the digital industry will continue to, to grow, but... Again, bringing it right back around to the Manchester scenario in the Northwest. You West. Know, we saw Manchester boom over the past X amount of years. Many, many people have moved here. Lots and lots of businesses, lots and lots of talent have moved here. Um, and I think whilst the blend will continue to happen, that people will want to work in the office and from home because we've, it's a new modern way of working. I think people do miss the, the interaction uh, of working with a colleague and in front of somebody. And I know that, Lots of people that I've spoken to really benefited during that period of time when they could actually just be a bit more interactive. You know, I think everyone's been devastated about the fact that they've been in isolation, really, or not even be able to, to, to move around from one household to another. So, do you think that that will change the dynamics of? People moving to the city and people moving to live in the area because so many people have moved to Manchester and a lot of businesses, businesses like yourself who've hired, have hired people that are locally based people. Do you think the actual desire now that so many developers have said to me over the past couple of years to be remote working full time is something that will Come off, or do you think business will still continue to want people to be local so they do have that access into the office?
1: See, as a employer, I wouldn't mind hiring um, a developer or anyone really who is, say, working out out of London, as long as they can commit to coming into the office a couple of days, maybe a, a week or a month. Then that, that's absolutely fine. It, would, it wouldn't put me off in that respect. I think yes, we've traditionally hired around Manchester sort of area because that's where the talent is. And all of our members of staff are from the Manchester sort of area. I think that will will change over time. So I think the whole lockdown has has put real emphasis on people's lives and the way people live. And like the outdoor space is is quite key in some some regards. So some people who traditionally well who live in the city centre have had no outdoor space. So I think there will be a shift for those type of people who want to move more rural, more back into the countryside. And I think. From a hiring perspective, that shouldn't that shouldn't change things. We've got great this is a sarcasm, but we've got great transport links in and around Manchester. So um, yeah, I, should, I don't see it being a problem as long as as long as employers are happy to be accommodating, let their staff work from home if they choose to. I mean, as a as an agency before pandemic, we promoted our staff to actually work remotely one day a week. So not necessarily at home. It could be a coffee shop. It could be uh, a gym. uh, It could be go to, say, Scotland, Highlands on a Thursday night, work the Friday morning, um, Friday day, and then they could have the whole weekend in Scotland, for example. So for us, it wasn't a massive mindset shift. It's all about people's mental health as well.
0: I can't help but think, well, in five years' time, we'll look back at this and, yeah, sure, some companies would have changed, okay? But fundamentally, your business for example, isn't changing. You've already allowed people to work remotely and you will still do so. And our business is exactly the same. We allow people to work remotely and we'll still do so. I'm not seeing a lot, and Zach and I spoke about this in our previous podcast, I'm not seeing a lot of businesses going, do you know what, the hell with the office. There's talk of it, and there was a lot of talk at the beginning, but as the time has gone on, people have said, no, I kind of like the office, I like the people. And now people are talking about the blended approach. You uh, You mentioned it, Sam, Zach, you mentioned it last time we spoke blended approach more homework but no one's talking not hardly anyone's talking I should say by getting rid of the office completely and I think in five years time we'll be back to we'll be back on the same trajectory we were pre-pandemic
2: and and I think it's really interesting that because I just keep thinking about Mantopia you know that programme BBC2 that they've, all this building work that's gone on in Manchester I wonder how that's going to pan out well that's a different story um, but I just it, it does make you wonder whether or not the actual desire and the human nature is to spend time with other humans, isn't it? And that's what's been stripped of us. And because that being stripped of us, whether or not actually... People will crave to... Because like you say, it's quite interesting the point that we've gone from everyone wanting... To, how many people in your history you know, have been said to you, oh, they want to work from home, they want to work from home, they love working from home, they love working from home. Wish we could work from home, wish we could work from home. Then they get the opportunity to work from home, and now they're saying, hmm... I'd like a blended approach. I'd like to come into the office a bit more because actually being at home all the time is really isolating. I feel really claustrophobic. My children are here all the time. I love my wife, but I've got to spend all the time with her now and it's not quite the same as what it was before. Do you know what I mean? So it really has it has changed. So I think there's that impact and I do think the blended approach is where it will end up being. But also I do wonder how... All this, I mean, you know, anyone that's grown up in Manchester, Sam, you get it, you've grown up, John, you've been here for a very long time, will know Manchester is unrecognisable in the past 20 years. Never 20 years, probably past 10 years, it's unrecognisable. Even the past five years, it's unrecognisable. And they spent so much money on developing it. And, you know, that's what it was. It was metropolises and people used to go there to work, like, you know, little bees and buzzing and ants running around and stuff like that. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to all of those massive buildings and massive environments? Is it all just going to go
0: online? You know, are all these businesses going to go bust? I'm interested in because you, have Zach, you brought something up there about people, you know, getting the buzz out of working around other people. I can ask you both a question: Are you introvert or extrovert? You first, Zach. Well, you know, I uh, have my own <laughs> guess. <laughs> sure. <laughs> i not Sam? to answer that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're on a podcast. What do you think? <laughs> Sam, what about you? Do you know? I suppose stereotypical developer, you could probably class me as an introvert. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I've done a couple of those quick online ones. I'm kind of 60-40. Right? So and the thing about introverts, I think that people don't recognise is that being introvert doesn't mean that you don't like being around people. right? It just means that you get your energy from being on your own and you find being around new people exhausting. So there, there may be an element of personality types feeding into the discussion around working from home versus working in an office, you know, busy, busy office. And yeah, there is a bit of a, a cliche around developers being introvert. I'm not, I don't know how true it is. I'm not, I've got no research, so I can't really say. But I bet it's a part of the, the, the discussion. right? I think blended to what you said, Sam, giving people the option. Some remote work is always good, you're saving on commute time, so so why not? But I'm pretty sure we'll be sitting here in a few years' time and things will be back to normal of some sort and businesses will still be, we're still on a trajectory towards more working. okay? That's still increasing and it's increased a lot, but it's, it's I don't think but for any stretch of the imagination that we're, we're just going to jump ship and go in the other direction. Um well, I want to ask you one more thing then, Sam, while, I, while I've got you, uh, at least one more thing. Anyway, I was um, surprised when I, I was on a call with uh, the rest of our company yesterday and that part of our business do events and they're talking about Christmas. And I was like, OK, Christmas events. What What's this about? And of course, there are uh, numerous online Christmas parties and, uh, you know, gin tasting and mixing and, um, you know, they have entertainers and you know they have 250 300 people on some of these sort of zoom-like calls some people have even build their own platform so that's I, I, what, what was interesting about it is how innovative businesses have been. everyone in their own niche doing something to try and either keep the wheels on the bus or, or find a new niche to work in you're at the forefront of that I guess with the kinds of clients you see and you did mention some COVID stuff is there anything you can tell us about any clients that you have uh, briefs you've got that were interesting that maybe made you go oh huh, and thought of that that was quite a good idea and um, there are some good things happening obviously what i can talk about is
1: we just recently did a strategic uh, piece for astrazeneca and um, they those guys want to market their drugs to to these clinicians and healthcare practitioners however pandemic has actually absolutely changed the dynamic and how they how they interact with these people so usually they would go to these hospitals hammer on door trying to speak to people and that's obviously all changed now so we did a nice piece around how the service design approach can help sort of facilitate a better marketing process and when's the best time to market to these certain individuals we did a whole service blueprint on that and um, we've picked out some opportunities there where we can lament digital services and sort of help that process but in terms of like really cool COVID beasts now, I can't really say, to be honest.
2: Can I, can I add to that? Because I think that there's a few things. So, I, I, you know, not necessarily something that's brand new, but I think there's definitely certain things that will come out of this and actually definitely operate differently. Like I've looked and I've thought to myself, personal trainers who were charging £30 per session or £40 per session, or even up to £45 per session, they had one hour with one person. They're now doing a Zoom class with 20 people and it might only be a fiber, but how much more are they making just by utilising that time and being able to do it that way? And it's things like that that I think that will be really, that, that will massively, massively change. Where somebody's actually gone, uh, I won't use that word, uh, sugar. Um, I never saw this come in, but actually, this has completely and utterly revolutionized my business. Actually, I can get so much more done in this particular way. So I'm going to continue to work in that way. And I think that's that's for me where one of the biggest shifts will be, where businesses that went into it having never thought of it. I mean, you would you would, I'm not saying that this is the case all, by the way. So please don't hold me to account for this. But I would imagine there's probably a lot of personal trainers that actually. And I'm utilising them, but actually went into this pandemic or prior to this pandemic, never imagined in a million years they'd be doing Zoom classes or they'd be doing Teams classes or whatever it would be, because it was more sort of, you know, the, the digital world, wasn't it, where you'd have a meeting with a company in the States, for example, or something like that. You wouldn't be thinking about doing a class with somebody, would you? So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there was YouTube videos out there and stuff like that, but you
0: understand my concepts and thoughts behind it. I think you're you're bang on. And I think the other thing that's changed is public appetite for that sort of thing. Whereas before, I think the example most people can give is their relatives. In my case, my parents had never used Zoom. And now I have a Zoom call with them once a week. And that, that generation and probably everybody from them down is now familiar with using video. Uh, You know, while we're on this call, my wife's on a call downstairs, something that she would normally do once a week in person and they have to drive there and all this, all the faffing around associated with that. Now they just have a quick Zoom call and there was nothing stopping them before. There was no, nothing has changed really. I mean, obviously they can't meet in person, but there was, they could have done it pre-pandemic, but there was no appetite there like, oh no, we'll just meet in person. There's no benefit to them being in person. They're just having a conversation like we're having a conversation so, and we're all amazing quizzes as well now, aren't we? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, the first four, and then I stopped. Yeah, do, you
1: guys, do you guys still do pub quizzes? I think it was the first lockdown thing for us.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah for us, it was the first lockdown thing. It was like, you know, even the kids know what the tallest building in the world is now, and they're four and six. <laughs> <laughs> a
0: graph of the number of quizzes I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> That's brilliant, Sam. You've absolutely brilliant uh, some brilliant answers and uh, through some tough questions at you. Thanks so much for coming on to Northwestify. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you all again soon.